Hello there, my friend, and welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to Living the Victor's Life. This is your narrator and host, Lot, a student of the Word who loves the Word of God and who loves the one who authored it all even more. You are listening to a podcast that aims to journey with you in life, in living every day under the guidance of the words from scriptures. Reading, studying, worshiping, and praying, hearing, doing, and enforcing what God says, these encompass a life of victorious living, the Word of God being lived out through the lives of His people. My prayer for you always is that you may incline your ear to the pure and holy Word of God and live according to who you really are as they are revealed by the Word of God. Hello, hello again to that one listening, living a victorious life. Yes, you, the one that Jesus has thought of and purchased back to be reconciled with the Father in heaven. To you he gave a life that can and will overcome. Father in heaven, all glory, honor, and praise to you. Thank you for this time when we can focus on you once again and listen to the voice of your word. Thank you for the wisdom you lovingly teach us in your word. Help us settle in this moment so we may receive what you have willed to reveal to us. Let us partake on the bread of truth you have prepared for us today. Father, open our eyes, open our ears, most of all, open our hearts and make them fertile soils so your word might produce fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some even a hundredfold. In the name of your only Son, Jesus Christ, and with the help of your Most Holy Spirit. Amen. Previously, we read Philippians chapter 2. Today, we will carry on reading with Philippians chapter 3. Whenever you are ready, reach out to that Bible in front of you and turn to the book of Philippians. I am using the New King James Version Bible, so feel free to use the Bible version that truly speaks to you. Ready? All right, let's begin. The Letter of Paul the Apostle to the Philippians, Chapter 3 Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold on that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, 
I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this in mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. This is the word of God in Philippians chapter 3. Now, let us dig deeper and see the revelation from God's wisdom in his words. In verse 2, the Apostle Paul says to beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. Paul warns the believers in Philippi to look out for the dogs, the evil workers and mutilators of the Christian doctrine. In New Testament times, dogs were hated scavengers. The term came to be used for all who had morally impure minds. The term evil workers probably refers to teachers who are spreading destructive doctrines. By the word mutilation, Paul here points sarcastically and specifically to those who desire to reinstate Jewish religious practices as necessary for salvation. He chooses a term that literally means to cut. By doing so, he suggests that these people do not even understand the truth and meaning behind the Old Testament practice of circumcision, but they understand it merely as a cutting of the flesh. These verses refer to the problem of the Judaizers in the early church. These were groups of legalistic Jews who claimed to believe in the gospel, but added their own works and traditions to it. Their main doctrine was that you not only need to believe in Christ, but also need to keep the law, especially circumcision, or you cannot be saved. Paul refers to this group as dogs. Wild dogs roamed the streets of the cities in that area at the time, causing havoc evil workers because they were doing the work of Satan, and the false circumcision because they focused on external physical circumcision but ignored the circumcision of the heart, which was the one that was truly important. Paul often warned the believers to watch out for these works-oriented group. There are many problems with a works-oriented approach. The main problem is that it cannot possibly be successful. They were teaching people to follow the law, but it is impossible for anyone to keep the law. That is one of the major points in the Old Testament and preparing people for the coming of Christ. A person who tries to follow all 613 commandments or laws in the Old Testament will surely fall short. He will be burdened with a burden which no one man can bear, all except for Jesus Christ. Another problem with a works-oriented approach is that it results to pride. Most of the Jews at this time looked down on all the uncircumcised. 
They trusted in themselves and thought it was their works which could save them. A works-oriented approach gives the glory to man, instead of giving it to God. In the next verse, Paul says that true believers will glory in Christ Jesus. Those who trust in their own works will not. In fact, they would not even need Christ. So, even if it appears, adding works to the gospel equation seem like a small and even helpful addition, it immediately makes man in focus and negates the need for Christ. In verse 3, Paul said, We are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Paul defines true circumcision as a matter of the heart and not of the flesh. True circumcision is a circumcision of the heart, whereas in the Old Testament it was taught that circumcision was more than a ritual of the flesh. Circumcision of the heart refers to a heart that is set apart and devoted to God, giving rise to a sincere faith in Christ. Paul reveals three aspects of true circumcision. It is worshiping God in the Spirit. It is rejoicing in Christ. And it is placing no confidence in any human honor or accomplishment as a means to reach God. True circumcision, which is the circumcision of the heart, brings about true worship to God. And this is our worship to God received into His own Spirit. The ones who actually belong to God are not those who are physically circumcised, but those who worship Him, those who rejoice and trust in Jesus, and those who put no confidence in the works of their own flesh. In verses 4 to 10, Paul presents himself as an example of the ultimate Jew. He uses himself as an example not to boast, but to let the believers see that all of his accomplishments and bearings as a Jew alone surpasses everyone else's. He followed all the law and commandments to the point of even persecuting the Church of Christ, because he was so zealous to defend the law back then, he was still ignorant and had no revelation of the Son of God. All of what he achieved before knowing Christ were useless and meaningless. And so should believers also not put their confidence in their works. Paul's works actually led him away from God instead of leading him to God. The yoke or burden of the religion of good works is heavy and oppressive. But Jesus Christ's yoke upon us is light. He gives rest to the weary souls. Question. What are those memorable achievements you think you have accomplished and have largely credited to yourself? Even those good works you felt you have contributed to the expansion of God's kingdom. Did you think it all happened mainly because of your very own wisdom, skill, and expertise? This is what we must do. Pray, confess, and ask. Pray before the Lord and humbly acknowledge that all of these things cannot even begin to be possible without the hand of God on them. Confess that these recognitions from the world cannot bring us any closer to Him. Ask the Lord to remind us constantly about humbling ourselves and to rely on Him in all things rather than our own selves. Paul further on says in verse 13 to forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things that are ahead. Paul could not obliterate the past from his memory, but he refused to let his past obstruct his progress toward his goal. He wanted to forget his self-righteous past. Paul's forgetting of the past was an ongoing process, and so also should ours be. 
we let go and forget and ongoingly forgive the things that are holding us back from that future God wants for us. We learn from the past and we outgrow the past. We forget what is behind and we push forward. As Paul stated, we zealously press on courageously toward the goal for the price of the upward call. As a runner in a race intently fixes his eyes on that finish line, we are to be the same. For the prize of our upward call is the reward for victory. This upward call is the divine call to complete salvation. And its prize will be rewarded to us on the judgment seat of Christ. Like Paul, we are to work for a reward as a prize for our complete salvation. We press on for the prize of our upward call. Paul commands the Philippian believers to conduct themselves as soldiers who march in line, together, organized, each in his proper positions. The walk of a follower of Christ is actually not a walk, but a race of endurance, faithfulness, longevity, and stamina. Much like a soldier in allegiance to serving for his own country. Paul exhorts to those who have been matured and attained to some degree to have the same conviction and mindset. The earth is not a place for followers of Jesus to rest and become complacent. The Christian life is alive. It is active, moving, and ongoing. In verse 18, Paul mentions, For many walk as enemies of the gospel of Christ. This is given as a reason why it is important for believers to follow the right model. The gold standard is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus warned us ahead of time that many will come as wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. It will not only be their teachings which will mislead people, but also their lifestyle. The Apostle Paul is very concerned that such people will mislead the Philippian believers, so that he beseeched them to follow his example and not of those who are the enemy to the cross of Christ. Believers of Christ must walk by the same rule, by the same mind, in one spirit, and this includes Paul. Today, true preachers and teachers of the Bible need to give a better example. An example of humility, service, and self-sacrifice. All of these promote and reflect the cross and the gospel of Christ. This is not for self-gain, but self-sacrifice for the purpose of the gospel of Christ. Not for Owen's vain glory, but for the glory of Christ. In verse 19, it states, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. These enemies to the message of the cross may look like they are profiting for a while, everything is going smoothly, but it will not last. In Psalm 73, Asaph who is one of David's contemporary composers in the Psalms. He wrote about his confusion about the seeming prosperity of the wicked. He struggles why their lives are so smooth, and his crisis of doubt almost leads him to fall away from God. But he comes into the temple and takes his concerns to God. In verse 17 of Psalm 73, Asaph realizes the answer when he went into the sanctuary of God. He then understood the wicked's end. He understood that God has set them in slippery places, that God casts them down to destruction. They are brought to desolation. They are consumed with terrors as in a moment. In a moment, they could find all of their wealth valueless and their pleasures vanished as they face an eternity separated from the presence of their Creator. 
In verse 22 of Psalm 73, Asaph speaks of his ignorance and foolishness of doubting and questioning. He likened himself to a beast before God. An animal has no sense of eternity and a divine perspective. The writer Asaph was making an animal-like decision when he began to wonder about the wicked. But God never left him, even when he struggled with doubts. And afterward, what helped the psalmist gain a proper perspective on this life was the afterlife. It was the truth that grounded him and settled his thoughts. The truth that the righteous will have the glorious privilege of living with God forever. Lastly, Paul wrote, For our citizenship is in heaven. Christians need to remember that though we are in this world, we are not of this world. Our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. As sojourners in this world, we must not get attached to it. Sojourner means traveler. Therefore, this earthly place we are in is only temporary residence for us. We are all bound to some place else that is permanent and eternal. It is the things of God that are eternal. The eager desire of Christians are not earthly things, but a heavenly person, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the final verse, the Apostle Paul guarantees that Christ will transform or change in appearance the believer. What God will transform is the physical body and it will be conformed to Christ's glorious body. To be conformed means to comply, to follow, or to match up with. In simpler terms, to be like. Our bodies will be like Christ's glorious body. Christians are conformed to Christ's death. Here, they are conformed to His life. Our body now is weak and susceptible to sin, disease, and death. But God will change our bodies to resemble Christ's glorious resurrection body. Let's pray. Father in heaven, almighty and holy, thank you for your word. Thank you that you reveal your heart to us through your word. Thank you that as we study and read your word, the knowledge, understanding, and wisdom we gain tells us that we are meant to live a life of victory. We overcome because your Son, Jesus Christ, has already dealt with all of our sin once and for all. Father, those feelings of rejection, guilt, shame, unworthiness, insecurity, inferiority, imprisonment to addictions, bondages to sickness and disease are all in the past as we walk on to live a victorious life. Father, shield us from those who teach destructive doctrines. Strengthen us always to uphold the truth of your word and help us to stand firm on it. Remind us not to compromise what you have already established in our spirits. Let us not be works-oriented and not to boast of our humanly accomplishments and laurels. Instead, let us boast in you and the gospel and the power of the cross that all things are made possible by you through you and for you alone let us look on to the prize of the upward call our precious prize is your one and only son the lord jesus christ let us be your mighty army while we are still existing on this earthly realm let us march in line being in one rule in one mind and in one spirit. Give us the boldness and strength to stand up for the gospel of Christ and defend it from its enemies. 
Let our lives be living examples of the messages of the gospel of Christ. And this is our one true testimony that others will witness. Let our minds be aspired to heavenly things and not on temporary earthly matters, for our citizenship is in heaven. Let us make good use of the time you have allowed and permitted to us while we are sojourners on this temporary earth. Let your Holy Spirit fill us with total peace and total well-being in your shalom. And let us be hearers, doers, and enforcers of the cross's victory. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The minute we turned our lives to Jesus and decided to follow Him, we have already enlisted ourselves to the kingdom that only knows victory, because the great King and Lord of this kingdom that we belong to has already won. On this earth, while we exist, we carry ourselves as beings coming from the kingdom of victory. We carry an attitude of victory of the good and godly kind. We are meant to spread that to others. The very reason Jesus came to us on the earth is to pronounce and announce the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of victory has already arrived. It is already here. It has been here since the time he came to earth. This is the grace of our loving God towards us. Grace means gift. It means it is given for free. It means we need not struggle to get hold of it. It is already laid out in front of us to be accepted and received. Why? Because God Almighty is good. He is so good. That is who He is. He is just like that. If you are hearing this podcast for the first time, and for those of you who are wondering what this podcast is centered on, or even how can I enter into that victorious life? Well, may I take this opportunity in time to let you hear the good news or the gospel and lead you to a prayer in order to be saved by our God. The gospel is this, that God the Father provided the way for men to be freed from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death. All of humanity has been marred by the original sin from the disobedience in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve. The sin that no man can ever escape from. Because of this, every human being will die physically. God the Father provided the way for men to be freed from this penalty of sin in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ. Those who believe in Jesus Christ are promised a physical resurrection unto eternal life. Those who reject Christ will not only die physically, but will undergo a second death which the Bible describes as an eternal lake of fire. Jesus is the only one in whom salvation can be found. There is no other way that God had made it to be. In the book of the Apostle John, in the third chapter, verses 16 to 18, it says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We are saved by this gift or grace of God through faith. 
the faith of a human being who with all sincerity believes the powerful redeeming work that God has done through his son Jesus Christ. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection are the two pillars of our faith and we need to confess it and we need to believe it. The underlying motivation of the gospel is God's infinite love, unending mercy, and generous grace for the humanity He created. God did not withhold, but He gave His only Son as a sacrifice so we can all be saved. Jesus, when He died on that cross, He paid for it all. He bought back and brought back for men the ability and provision of a life that could stay above it all. Not a single stone was left unturned by Jesus. It was a complete and finished work. Man and women are restored to good standing with Almighty God and are able to live a life that can overcome whatever is thrown their way while still existing on this physical world. To them is restored kingdom authority on this earth and a life of blessedness and abundance, a life of victory. Whenever you are ready to turn your life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, please confess these words with me. Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my Savior and Lord. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and God the Father made him rise from the dead. Lord Jesus is now living and seated at the right hand of the Father. The blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross cleanses me from all my sins. And from this moment forward, I am forgiven. I am now a child of God. I am born again to live a new life in God. I am meant to live a life of victory. In the name of Jesus, Amen. If you have just confessed that prayer, I welcome you to the great family of God who have been awaiting for you. All of God's holy angels in heaven are rejoicing because of what you just did. I am sure peace has entered into your being right now. I encourage you to share the good news of what just happened to you and look for a church family so you can start to be nurtured and grow in your spiritual journey with God. I have faith that God Himself will lead you to that one He has planned for you. So, always be in fellowship with other believers so you can support each other towards that life of victory. Most of all, start to make a habit of getting closer to that one who has been awaiting you all these times. God, who loves you, and can't wait to speak to you and bless you all the more. Read his word in the Bible and understand them. Worship and praise him with a grateful and humble heart and talk to him constantly in prayer. Be guided by our holy God. The more you make yourself closer to him, the more he gets closer to you. And the more he gets closer to you, the more you will know the great God of the entire universe, the one who created you. You will know him personally, and the more your life will be aligned with who he created you to be. You were created for his joy and for his glory. Well, that is it for today. Next time, we will read on Philippians chapter 4. 
So come along with me on this journey as we read through the pages of the living Word of God. Let us make it a habit to touch base with God and His Word every day. Because His Word is His daily bread and sustenance for that one He calls a victor. Meanwhile, take hold of these next few moments to spend time alone with Him in worship and prayer. The following soaking music will help usher us into His presence. So, I will leave you at that and I will catch up with you again next time. See you!